Well, this morning we're continuing our series on neighboring, and we started it last week, and the idea of the series is that we're, we're thinking about uh, what it looks like to love our literal neighbors in the community, right? And so we all have neighbors, we all have people that dwell next to us, that live next to us, uh, whether that is your literal neighborhood or whether it's in the cubicle next to you at work. Uh, we, all, we all know people on the outside of the church, and so we're, we're thinking about what it looks like to love those people, what it means to reach those people. And we've said that we want to be a church that exists not for ourselves, but for the good of the community where we're living in, where we're located in. And so we don't want to just be a church that uh, has a building in Batesville. We want to be a church that is for the city of Batesville. And we said that we want to be a church that if we were like zapped up and gone tomorrow, and there was a hole on Main Street, like Fellowship Bible Church was just gone, we want to be a church that, where the city would actually miss us if we were gone. And so what does it look like to be that kind of a church? What does it look like to love our neighbors? What does it mean, to, what does it look like to reach the people uh, outside of the four walls of the church? That's what we're looking at in the series. Now today, what I want to talk about is something that's going to seem a little bit unrelated to this. Because today what I'm going to talk about is not so much uh, uh, being in relationship with people outside of the church, but what it looks like to be in relationship with people inside of the church. And I said that tonight we're going to ask you to sign up for a community group. Uh, there are many of you here in this room that are not in a community group. You're not yet in relationship with other people in this church. And so today I want to exhort you to do that. Uh, I want to show you the importance of being part of community, right? You may be someone who goes to church every Sunday and you come and you hear the message, but we want you to be not only in rows but in circles, uh, we want you not only to come and hear a message, but actually get to know other people within this community. Uh, and so I'm going to talk a, a little bit about today what it looks like to live in Christian community. But you might say, well, what does this have to do with loving the outsider? Right? This seems kind of inward, and I thought the series was all about being outward. What does joining a community group and being part of Christian relationships have to do with loving the outsider and being engaged with your neighbor. Well, listen, it has everything to do with that. And the point I want to make this morning, by the time that we're done, is that unless you are vitally involved in Christian community, you will never be a good neighbor to those outside of the church. In other words, you will not have the impact or influence on non-Christians in your life if you are not deeply connected to Christian community. So in other words, being part of a community group is going to help you be a good neighbor. Being engaged in a relationship with other Christians is going to help you to reach non-Christians. I'm going to show you what that looks like. We will never, uh, we will neighbor better together. That's the point I'm going to be making this morning. And I'm, usually what I do is I put points up on the screen. Uh, this morning I'm not going to do that because I want that to be the main point. I want you to leave this morning thinking, I need to be involved in Christian community if I'm going to make an impact on the non-Christian community. I want that to be the one point that you walk away with. And so uh, usually you go home and your friend says, what, what were three points, the three points that Brent talked about today? Today you can go home and say, Brent preached a pointless sermon. Uh, so you can do that. The, in order to make the point that I'm going to make this morning, I want to bring us to Matthew chapter 5. And uh, Matthew chapter 5 is a very famous passage, and it's a, it's a passage where Jesus talks about being an impact on our community. 
It's a, it's a passage where Jesus says, I want Christians, I want you Christians to, uh, to, be, to be agents of change in the world. I want you to be, have an influence on the world. I want you to reach the world. This is one of those passages where Jesus talks about that. And it's uh, Matthew chapter uh, 5, and it's beginning in verse 13. I'm just going to read it. Jesus says this, You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. And so Jesus here, he says, you're the salt of the earth, you're the light of the world, you're a city set on a hill. And what he's saying here is he's saying, look, you as the Christian community, uh, you know, we as Christians are the light of the world. We should have an impact. Uh, I want you to, to be change agents in the world. I want you to be salt. I want you to be light in a dark world. I want you to be a city set on a hill that illuminates your communities. I want you to make a difference. But the point I want you to see here is that when Jesus says this, he's not so much talking to individuals. Usually we think about this as like, you, Gant, are the light of the world, right? You know, or, or, or you, Leo, are the light of the world. We think about it as, as speaking to individuals, like I am the light of the world. And maybe we get this sort of individual reading because this is what we learned in Sunday school. Because we all learn the song, right? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine, right? Uh, I won't sing the whole song because you wouldn't like that, but... We, we, we think about it in an individual way. I individually in the light of the world. I go out into my workplace or I go out into my neighborhood or I go out into, you know, wherever I go and I am, am a piece of salt and I'm, a, I'm out there being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. We think about it very individually, right? And there's some truth to that. I mean, we are individually salt and light. We are, as you go into your workplaces or as you go into your neighborhoods, you are uh, representing Christ. You are making a difference on your own, by yourself. But that is not the main point that Jesus makes here. What Jesus wants us to see is that we're the, only the salt of the earth. We're only the light of the world. We're only a city on a hill together. Now, if you look here at the you in verse 13, where he says, you are the salt of the earth, the thing you need to realize is that that is a, that is a plural you. And every you in this passage is a plural you. And so what that means is it's kind of like when you're in Texas, Lucas. You're in Texas, and, and what do you say in Texas? You say, y'all. This is a y'all here. And in Texas, uh, uh, in, when you're talking to one person, you say, y'all. But when you're talking to a lot of people, you say, all y'all. Is that right? No, it's not right. I don't know. I've never been there. Texans are just weird. But at least they have their own nation. <laughs> this is a y'all. Jesus is saying, all y'all are a light of the world. All y'all are a city on a hill. And none of us are a city individually, right? We're, cities are groups of people, right? And so Jesus is saying that collectively, as the people of God, as you live in relationship with one another, you become the light of the world. This is a statement 
about the whole church collectively as we, as we live together, as we do life together. We become salt, we become light, we become a city on a hill here in Batesville. Now, the, I was trying to think of some way to illustrate this, and, I, and, I, and you know those little uh, candle lanterns? Those little things where you have a candle and you light it and there's a lantern and, and, it, and it flows up into the sky. There's a picture of it right there. And they go up in the sky, you know, because of the, the heat. I mean, that's beautiful, isn't it? And that's bright and it's, it makes an impact. I mean, if I had one right now, you all would be very impressed. But, you know, usually when people do this, they don't just let one off into the air. They let a whole bunch into the air. And so when they all go up into the gather, I mean, that is there together. That's really a sight, isn't it? I mean, that really makes an impact. We've all seen the Disney movie, right, Tangled, where she really wants to see that. Um, you parents of young children know about that. But when they're all together, they make an impact. And what Jesus is saying is something very much like that. He's saying that we together are the light of the world. We together are a city within the city. We together, as we live in community, make an impact. You can't be the light of the world really on your own. Now someone says, why, why is that the case? Why is that the case? I mean, why can't I be the light of the world on my own? Uh, why can't I be a city on the hill, just me and, and my Bible in my neighborhood? There's, just, there's several different reasons why. And one of the reasons is this. It is only in our life together, it's only as a community that we're able to nurture and sustain a distinct way of life. It's only as a community that we are able to nurture and sustain the distinct Christian way of life that makes us salt. Right? You think about salt and light and city. What do these metaphors all have in common? They all make an impact because they're distinct. And so, you know, you think about salt Salt has an impact on bland food because it's the opposite of bland. So you go to your friend's house, they give you a bland casserole, you ask for salt, and it has incredible effect. Or in the ancient world, there was no such thing as refrigeration. Some of you have refrigerators, some of you have two refrigerators, some of you have three refrigerators, uh, you know. And, uh, but in the ancient world, there was no refrigeration, and so salt was a, a, uh, a preservative. It preserved meat, and it had incredible effect on meat because it's the opposite of decaying meat. Meat decays, it corrodes, it falls apart, and salt is pure, and it, and it purifies, and it preserves. It's the opposite of meat. You rub it in there, and it has incredible effect. Or you think about light. Light has an impact because it's the opposite of dark. And as soon as, as, soon as it loses its distinction, it stops having the impact. You ever have a, a flashlight? It begins to, the batteries begin to die and it begins to get dimmer and dimmer. As it gets dimmer, it loses its impact. Christians always have impact on the world when they are most distinct from the world. It's our distinct way of life that makes us different. It's the way we relate to sex, money, and power that's different than the world that makes us have such an impact. And listen, you will not maintain your distinction on your own. It is in community where our, our distinction is nurtured and sustained. And as soon as you leave Christian community, it becomes harder and harder to, be, to live the way of life that God calls us to live. And many of you have heard that illustration of the, the coals and the fire. You know, coals, uh, you know, when they're together in a fire, 
They maintain the heat. They nurture and they sustain heat. And, and you can barbecue things on there that taste really good. But as soon as you take that coal out of the fire, it loses its energy, it loses its heat, and it slowly begins to die. And Christians are the same way. As soon as you isolate yourself from Christian community, I knew I was going to do that. As soon as you isolate yourself from Christian community, it becomes harder and harder to be distinct. The danger of Christianity is that you're always in danger of assimilating into the culture and becoming like the culture. And the way that we, that we encourage one another to stay distinct and different and relate rightly to money, sex, and power is by meeting together and encouraging one another. Listen, your greatest faults by definition are the faults you cannot see in yourself. And you may be going off in all sorts of wrong directions and you have no idea until you get into Christian community and what happens? Your brothers and sisters begin to point things out to you in your life that you need to change. They begin to encourage you and they, and they help you to grow and they, and they spur you on to love and good works. And so uh, one of the reasons why we need to be together to be salt and light is because it's only in Christian community where we can encourage each other to stay hot and stay distinct and to walk with Christ in this world. Well, there's another reason, and I think it's even a bigger reason. It's only in Christian community, it's only in our life together that we're able to practice the one thing that makes us most distinct as Christians. So let me ask you the question. We're supposed to be different. We're supposed to be the opposite of the world, different from the world. What is the one thing that makes us most different from the world? What is the one thing that makes us most odd, most distinct, and most different from, from the outside world that are not Christians? Well, Jesus gives us the answer in John 13. 34, Mike read it. He said this. He said, a new commandment I give you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you, you also are to love one another. By this, all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. And so, you know, we're supposed to be salt and light. The one thing that makes us more salty than anything else, the one thing that makes us brighter than anything else is what? Our love for one another. In other words, when non-Christians look at the Christian community, the one thing that they're supposed to notice about us is not that we vote differently, is not that we're wearing, you know, these t-shirts that, that have Christian logos on them. It's not our bumper stickers. It's not, it's not a lot of things. The one thing that ought to make us more salty and bright than anything else is our love for one another. And so here's my question. If you're not in a community group and you don't really know other Christians, where do you get the opportunity to love? When I grew up, there was a, I grew up in the early 90s, and this kind of dates me, but when I grew up, the new thing in churches was having drive-in churches. And so there was a big church in the city next to us where you could, you could drive up to church, you get one of those speakers, you put it in your side window in your car, and then you drive away. You listen to the sermon, you drive away. And it was so awesome because you could go to church and never have to talk to another human being. And all the introverts, introverts say, yes. Awesome, amen. Where is that church? Right? You could go to church, you could listen to a sermon, you'd never have to be in a relationship with another Christian, you never even have to even talk to another Christian. 
And now modern, modern days, we don't have those anymore, but we have online church. You can go online, you can listen to a sermon, uh, you can watch a sermon online and, and hear it and be fed by God and hear his word and never have to go to church. And listen, online sermons are fine and maybe j- drive-in churches are fine. But listen, if that is all that you're doing, here's my question. When do you have an opportunity to love another Christian? This is the one thing that makes us most distinct, most salty, most bright, more than anything else. And if all you're doing is, is either listening to a sermon online or, or maybe just going to church and going home and never really getting to know anybody in the church, where do you have the opportunity to love an actual flesh and blood other Christian? You see, unless you're in a community group, unless you, unless you let other Christians into your life, unless you actually have a relationship with other Christians, you will not really learn how to love other Christians. And this is what makes us so much different than the world. Are you seeing that we, we, are, we are lied to the world only when we are living life together and we're learning how to love one another in very tangible ways? In the New Testament, there's a great little phrase, and the phrase is one another. Can we all say that? One another. That was great. Uh, all the way through the New Testament, you will see this phrase over and over again, one another, one another, one another. I've got a list here of all the one another's in the New Testament. These are actually not all of them because I think there's some 50, but here's some of the one another's in the New Testament. Uh, We are to bear one another's burdens. We are to speak the truth and love to one another. We're to be kind and compassionate to one another. We're to instruct one another. We're to honor one another. We're to forgive one another as God in Christ has forgiven us. We're to be devoted to one another. We're to be at peace with one another. We're to stop passing judgment on one another. (laughs) That's a hard one. We're to carry each other's burdens. We're to spur one another on to love and good works. We're to encourage one another. We're to offer hospitality to one another. We're to pray for one another. We're to submit to one another. And finally, we are to greet one another with a holy kiss. Hey, let's do the last one right now. Can we do that? Listen, how are you going to do the one another's if you don't really know another Christian? If all you're doing is coming in church and you're sitting in rows, you're never getting in circles, you're never getting into anybody's house, you're never getting into any relationships, real vital relationships where you know other people and you're known by other people, if you're not in relationships, where do you get to do the one another's? And it's the one another's that make us distinct. They're the one another's that make us salt and light. You see, we've got to be involved in community groups if we're going to make an impact on the world around us. Because here's what what we want to see. We want to see non-Christians coming up to the edge of our community and just sort of peering in and saying, you know what, I may not agree with them. You know, I don't know if I really want to believe what they believe, but man, there is something different about that community. The way they treat one another is just so compelling. Right? I don't know that I'd ever believe what they believe, but gosh, I've seen the way that they treat their spouses. You know, I wouldn't mind if my daughter married one of them. You know, I don't know that, that, I, that I believe what they believe, but, but I've seen the way that they, that they forgive one another. And you know, I wouldn't mind if I was, I've done this a lot. I wouldn't mind 
if, if one of them became a friend of mine because they're just so loving, they're so forgiving. You see, we want people to peer over into our community and see the inner life of the community. Because this is not just a building that people go to. This is not just a place. This is a people. This is not just a place that you come and hear a message and go home. We are a people that you belong to. And we're a community where we do life together. And this inner life, as we get to know one another and learn how to love one another and do the one another's together, we become so salty and so bright in our community. And non-believers might peer over into our community and say, you know, I may not believe what they believe, but I wouldn't mind being part of that. Hey, there's a real interesting scripture in the book of Acts. This is Acts chapter 2. And it's where you see sort of a glimpse of, of how this happens. This is Acts chapter 2, verses 44 to 47. It's the very beginning of the Christian community. And uh, Peter, who's apostle, he preaches a sermon. A, a whole group of people uh, become Christians, and they start doing life together. And notice the description of the way they do life together. It says, all who believed were together. Gosh, it doesn't even say that they came together. It says they were together. They were so united that they were together, and it says they had all things in common. And listen, they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So they were liquidating their assets and they were giving it to others who had need. And day by day, they, they were attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. And they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And look what it says happens here. It says, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So it wasn't just the message that was so compelling. People heard the message, but then they observed the life of this community. They were sharing their goods, and they were loving one another, and people saw the inner life, and they had favor in the eyes of those on the outside. And it says, day by day, people were added to the church. It was the message, but you see, the community became the hermeneutic of the message. And hermeneutic basically means it explained the message, they preached the message, and then the community illustrated the message. And this happens even today, you know, uh, just being a pastor here in this church. I have seen people who are, they're in community groups, and, you know, here's a pregnant woman whose car, her, her tire pops on the road, and what does she do? She calls somebody in her community group, and says, can you come out and fix my tire? Here's somebody who's sick in the hospital. And they're lying there, and, and they get cards from people in their community group, and they get visits from people in their community group. They're being loved by those people in their community. And here's another person whose spouse died. And this really happened at our community. Their, their, their spouse died, and they're sitting in their hospital. Their community group walked with her all the way through the death of her, her husband, and then through the aftermath of it. And listen, when non-Christians see this sort of life, it's something that they could look at and say, I want to be a part of that. It's not just the message, it's the doing life together, the one another's, that makes us salt and light. Well, let me end by asking this question. Well, how do we do this? I mean, this sounds so compelling and so exciting. I mean, how is it that we can do life together like this? Because this is hard, and I know it's hard. 
There are many of you who don't want to be, be a part of a community group because you've been hurt by churches in the past and you're not about to get in relationships like that again. There are some of you have been, who've been abused as children and relationships have always been hard for you. They've always, always been scary for you. You've always sort of kept it at a distance. And there, there are others of you, you're just so busy and just getting along with your wife is hard enough. With your husband is hard enough. And you want me to be friends with other people in the church? You just think, I'm just so busy. How do I do this? Well, I'm going to end here, but I want you to know it doesn't start with you. Being the light of the world starts with Jesus. Because, because Jesus was the first one who stood up before a crowd and said, I am the light of the world. And he says, anybody who follows me will not walk in darkness, but they'll be the light of life. And loving other Christians doesn't start with you either. Because we learn how to love by being loved. We learn how to love by being loved. And you learn how to love by learning how to be loved by Christ. You know, he died for you. Christ demonstrates his love towards us in coming into the world and giving his life on a cross for us. And he says, I want you to learn how much I love you. I want you to be strengthened by my love for you. I want you to have courage because of my love for you, and I want you to go and love others in this community the way I have loved you. And so this morning, we're going to take communion. And as we do so, I, I want you just to sit at the feet of Christ and I want you just to remind yourself, here is a man who is God who laid down his life for me. As we gather this morning around the broken body and the blood of Jesus, I want us to remind ourselves that we have the power to love one another like this. And as you take communion this morning, I want you to be strengthened, maybe have courage to come tonight and sign up for a community group. If you are not in a group, if you're not in relationships with other Christians through a women's group or a men's group or, or one of our small groups, man, I don't want you to go another week, another day without getting engaged with other Christians. It makes us the light of the world. And Jesus gives us the power to do it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this passage, which tells us that, God, we are the light of the world together. Lord, our inner life, the beauty, the love, the one another's that happen in Christian community become a compelling witness, a compelling light and salt in the world. And God, I pray that in our groups this semester as we meet together and, and, and with all the difficulties that go around that, Lord, I pray that you would help us to learn to love one another in a way that makes us compelling, incredible as Christians. And Father, we pray that as we take communion this morning that you would, Lord, that you would remind us that you are the one who loves us. You're the one who loves us first. You're the one who loves us best. And you're the one whose love gives us the power to love others. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.